and you still don't know me. All Philip had asked is, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be, it would suffice. It'll be enough. If you just show us the Father, then a whole bunch of stuff would all of a sudden make sense. And, 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 and have I been so long with you? I wonder if Jesus is saying to you this morning, have I been so long? And you, don't, you still don't know me. God has an intense desire to be known, and it matters to Jesus intensely what you say. Who do you say that I am? And now, before you all line up behind um, Peter, as you ought to, but just before you do, and you line up and you say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Blessed, right? Maybe if I can just, in a couple minutes, remind you what it means to say, Thou art the Christ. What did it mean to Peter when he said, Thou art the Christ? You might easily say this morning, I believe that Jesus is Christ, and I would be happy that you would say that. But I wonder if you know what that means. I wonder if you know what it means to have a Christ. Isaiah 9, 6. It's the shortest, I think maybe I found, the shortest description maybe most comprehensive description of who Christ was, what it meant when Peter said, you are the anointed one, you are the one we've been expecting, I'll say it if no one else will say it, you're the one we've been expecting. Isaiah 9, another, another sunburst through a, a terrible, confusing, and, and, and mostly judgmental uh, passage. God just, he, he, it, so much judgment, but his big heart, he, he's got to let the good news out uh, so somebody can know, somebody can hear. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, the authority, the rule shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. His name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, that's what he meant. Is that what you mean? Wife hath made herself ready. Do you know what it means to be betrothed to Christ? Do you know what it means to be his and he is yours? It means to have for yourself your own Mr. Wonderful, your own Counselor, your own Mighty God, your own Everlasting Father, and your own Prince of Peace. Now, just quickly, we'll ask. Does Jesus get to be that for you? This morning, somebody has your wonder. Something is wonderful to you. Wonder is the basis of worship. And this morning, something or somebody has your worship. Is it Jesus Christ? Something is wonderful to you. Is it Christ? Something holds your fascination. 
this morning. Something is exciting. Is it Christ? Who do you say that I am? Counselor, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Kimberly and I just had to repent this morning for something that we'd allowed in our lives that I went to go read these passages and the Holy Spirit said, you're not saying anything about that until we talk about something. Praise the Lord. Who has your attention? Who, when they speak, you're listening? Is it Christ? Who's counselor to you? Who's shaping the way you think? Oh, I, young person, you think you are. <laughs> Going to find something out. How about, I, I did say some dangerous M's here. How about marriage? How about money? How about modesty? Who's shaping the way you think? Is it Jesus Christ? Is he your counselor this morning? Is he the one that when he speaks, it's that, that's it. He said it, that's it. Who counsels you? Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Where are your highest hopes, your deepest longings? Where are they in a mighty God? Who's mighty God to you? Somebody's mighty God. Something's mighty God. Something is where you turn for answers. Everlasting Father. This word in the Hebrew is ab. It's a word that could be pronounced by a child that could almost pronounce nothing else. It's better than our daddy. It's just ab. You see a little one-year-old going, oh. That is the exact same word that Jesus used when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Put a Chaldean uh, pronunciation on it. There's my timer. Chaldean pronunciation on it, but it's Abba. It comes across, but it is from Hebrew, and it's just Daddy. Everlasting Father, is he your always Daddy? Always Daddy. When you're in a tough place, who do you turn to? Is it always daddy? Are you still looking for approval from men? Or is the approval, my, my grace is sufficient, my smile is enough, my favor is enough. Always daddy approves. And it's okay, I don't care if nobody thinks it's good. Who do you say that I am? I know there just went out the window you're cute packaged uh, Trinity doctrine, because unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called Everlasting Father. I have no idea how to explain that, but I love it. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Young man, are you worried about taking thought for tomorrow, and you're worrying about things? Is Christ your Prince of Peace? Young lady, you're worried about your future, who you're going to marry? Let me tell you something, until you find a Prince of He's in Christ. There's not a prince on this earth that can pacify that longing. You will first have to come into the arms of an almighty God and find in that 
embrace peace, real peace, my peace that I give to you. Not, not the kind that the world gives, not the kind that everyone else is looking for, but real peace. That's what you're going to have to find. There's no hubby. There's no lover. There's no bow that's so wonderful that he'll give you that peace. In fact, what you're going to find is it's terrifying to be married to a man if you do not have a relationship with an almighty God. Is Jesus Christ to you? And Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Is he wonderful to you? Is he counselor to you? Is he mighty God to you? Is he everlasting father to you? Is he the prince of peace to you? Answered in faith. Praise the Lord. Barely got started, huh? <laughs> Amen. Well, is he our everlasting father? Is he wonderful to you? Is he wonderful to me? Is he peace? Is my peace I give unto you? Is that how it is? Who's speaking to me? Who's speaking to you? The bride has made herself ready. One of my favorite verses in Revelations he quoted. So, does anybody want to make any comments right now? Anybody appreciate the word of God if it cuts a little bit? If it cuts deeply? How about if he gets killed for this? How about if I get killed for my stand, or you do? Is it worth it? Wow. The cost of following Jesus is everything. Lord, thank you for your words that have been spoken. Thank you, God, for the spirit in which it was given, the spirit of total surrender the spirit of a challenge to examine our own hearts and our own lives. And Lord, your word is forever set on heaven. So help me, God, with a few things that I follow up with that it could be edifying as well. Some practical instructions and some help me, God, to speak the truth. Not just the truth as a concept, but a truth as a person, the Lord Jesus, and speak it in love. Thank you, God, for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I was reading in Isaiah in 50. I want to read a few verses there. This was in my reading early, earlier, and um, it's not necessary. It connects with what I'm going to say, but I want to read a couple things out of, out of God's Word just to kind of see... Um, God's heart towards Israel when they weren't doing good and when they were doing good. Sometimes we only want to think that God only speaks one way, that he only speaks goodness and peace and joy and love and kindness, but there is a condition for that kind of speaking. And so let's read Isaiah 50, we'll read a few verses there and then we'll go to... Um, 51, just going to pick up a few things here that really hit home early this morning. I think it was this morning. Anyway, it was pretty, it was in the middle of the night. 
So if you can't sleep and your mind's clear, get up and read or pray. Read the Bible, that is. Don't read, don't read something else that doesn't feed your inner man. It says, Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? This is God talking. It's pretty rough, right? Where is your mother's bill of divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgression is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all, that it cannot redeem? He's asking a question to his own people. Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh, because there is no water, and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. And then he says something else. Most postcards wouldn't have that on it, right? They wouldn't have this verse that says, I the Lord... Uh, clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. Or, thus saith the Lord, where's the bell of your mother's divorcement? It probably wouldn't have that on a postcard to send anybody, right? It wouldn't be something that people would want to really wonder what you're trying to do. You're trying to depress me. Do you think God's trying to depress them? No. But here you got something else in four. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh me morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair like my beard. You know, it'd be pretty miserable have somebody just pull your, if you have a beard like mine, you just pull it all out. Even if they pulled half of it out. They plucked off the hair. I hid my face from shame and spitting. Of course, we know who this is talking about, right? He is near that justifieth me. Who will condemn? Who will contend with me? I'll read it right. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Let us, let, how am I reading this? Lord, Lord, help me read this. I read, I skipped ahead and back. Okay, let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. <laughs> now, who is my adversary? Behold, the Lord God will help me. Will help me. Will he help you? Will he help you? He will help me. Who is he that... i got to skip down to 10. Who is among you that fear the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Stay upon his God. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that you have kindled. 
This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. And I read a little bit out of 51 here. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. I just was thinking about this. First he talks about putting away his people, divorcing them because of the sin, iniquities, which is part of it's like lawlessness, doing what they wanted, serving God their own way. And um, God said, I'm going to divorce you for it. And he did. But then he also took her back. He didn't divorce in the sense that some people do today, that he was done. He wasn't really done if people repented. He says, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. And who would like to tell me what righteousness is? Here. Any, what would you think of when you think of following after righteousness? What would, how would you describe that? Anybody? That's what I say, right? Doing right, thinking right, being. Does anybody ever have something? An agree, uh, behavior that is in agreement with God's character. That's a good definition. Any other definitions? Well, God's really happy about that. It says, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. You're seeking to please God. Ye that seek the Lord, look upon the rock whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. That means where there isn't any... Anything there, hardly, right? Waste place would be a place like, would that be like a garbage place or a place that's all dried up and there's no food growing? I think it's like a place probably where there's no food growing hardly. And he will make her wildernesses like Eden. That's like the Garden of Eden, right? That's a pretty good place. Make her wildernesses, the, the who? Who's he going to do this for? Huh? Who's the, who's the postcard for? It's got the positive thing on it. Who is it for? The righteous. Those that follow, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness. So who is it for? Whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her a wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. I mean, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you want in your life? Hearken unto me, my people. Give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me. I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness. Now first it says, hearken to me ye that follow after righteousness. Now he says in verse 5, my righteousness is near. My salvation is gone forth. And mine arms, plural, shall judge the people. And the isles, or the islands, 
shall wait upon me, and on my arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away as like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, like an old clothes, like an old coat. It's totally wore out. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But, I'm glad for some of God's but. He's got to stop. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall be, shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revelings, or their partyings, and their wickedness, and their... They're um, calling evil good, good evil. Insanity. A man from Scotland told me, I think it was Scotland or England, I think it was Scotland, I was out sweeping a chimney. And I was asking about America and the political things where they're saying man is a woman. And if you say, if I stand up here and tell you I'm a woman, you all have to agree with me. Isn't that great? Isn't that, isn't that? So anyway, he said it's a bunch of nonsense in the English, in the, uh, not English, but I think it was, I think it was Scottish. He said, nonsense. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's what Stalin Stalin and, and uh, Lenin dead. They said the most outlandish lies, and they knew they were lies. But he said then people, if they could get people to agree with them, then they knew they could take them over. He said, That's what's happening right now in America. It is. That's so obvious, isn't it? But people stand in line because they don't want to be called haters. You hate evil. Well, Jesus hated lawlessness. So anyway, righteousness. It says in 7, Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revelings. For well, the moss shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever. This is God's talking to his people. My righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. I thought about Noah. I said Noah was... Righteous in his generations up to the flood. So evidently from Seth down to Noah, there was somebody in that line that was serving God with their whole heart. It says the righteousness is from generation to generation. And the generation of old, let's see, nine. Awake, awake, put on strength. O arm of the Lord, awake. As in the ancient days, in the generations of old, art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon. I don't know what, what that's referring to, but I think if Satan bruised the head of the serpent, it said he would do it, and he did it. 
said that his desire shall be for you, you shall master him. And then he told the, the um, serpent that the seed of the woman would bruise his head, which is Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman. And here it says this, Rahab, cut Rahab and wounded the dragon. Art thou not it which hath dried the sea? This is God, right? And the Lord Jesus, the waters of the great deep that hath made the depths of the sea away for a ransom to pass over. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. We used to sing this when I was young. The Jesus movement, they sang this song a lot. They'd sing this verse. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Joy, no sorrow, and mourning shall flee away. Therefore the redeemed, we sing it over and over. If we're really redeemed, it's true. The redeemed of the Lord shall return. Come to Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I, even I am he that comforteth you, who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man. Should we be afraid? Be afraid of a man? Be afraid of people, what they think of us, that shall die, and of the Son of Man? which shall be made as grass, and forgettest who? The Lord thy Maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth, and hast, and hast feared, now, or is this is us, right? We're, we're supposed to do this. Hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. So should we be afraid every day because of the oppressor? As if he were really ready to destroy and where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. I am the Lord thy God, that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundation of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Read a couple more here. And I'll read a few other verses, a few other places. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which hast drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling, and wrung them out. There is no guide, there is no, 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 no. There is none to guide her among all the sons whom she hath brought forth, neither is there any that taketh her by the hand of all the sons that she hath brought up. These two things are come unto thee, who shall be sorry for thee, desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword, that's like a war, we know what famine is, not having any food, not no water, nothing's growing, by whom shall I comfort thee? God's talking. Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, 
but not with wine. And it goes on and on and on and on. So who do we fear? Who do I fear? Sometimes I get afraid of little things. But it says those that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. The book of remembrance was written. I don't know what time it's getting to be. I can't see, so I guess I better put my glasses on. Okay. All right, I'm going to read a couple things out of Proverbs. So do we want to do righteousness? Do we want to be righteous? One guy we took out of jail when me and Jackie was first married, took him to a conference. He said, people are trying to make me into goody two-shoes. Well, yeah, we'd have liked to make him into a goody two-shoes, a little more than that, like he got a new nature. Far as I know, he never did. I don't know if he's still alive. But he lived with us for a while. In um, Proverbs 26, verse 17, So you ever have people want you to straighten other people out? People like come to me a lot, and I guess because I'm a leader, that happens maybe more. And um, so I just give you some practical advice. I don't live, I haven't lived this 100%, but I'm really trying because it keeps me out of a lot of trouble. But people tell me, well, you need to talk to so-and-so. So-and-so is doing this and that, and the other thing. I said, well, that's not really none of my business. Said, well, yeah, it is. But sometimes maybe it is, but a lot of times it isn't. And so here we go. So righteousness, this is a simple area of righteousness. And this is about taking offense for other people. Just going to touch on a little bit. And um, uh, sometimes in our home there's been situations where one of our children done something wasn't right. And, and, um, and my wife would come in and say, you've got to give them a spanking right now. And sometimes I did without even finding out what they did. And sometimes I probably should have took a little more time and found out, you know, what the real situation was from my perspective. So, uh, I'd be in a hurry. So, Psalm, or Proverbs 26, and verse 17, it says, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him. So, strife, you know what that is? Somebody's kind of in a fight, and, and so uh, we decide, well, I don't like what that person said. So, we get right in the middle. We don't even know what the other person said before them, right? I have done that. It's not wise. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. As a madman or a crazy man who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor, and saith, am I not in sport? So he's comparing it to those kind of real things we know are bad, right? So let's look at a couple more. Matthew, chapter 18, 15 through 20. Jesus actually says what to do. Jesus really is... I hate to say that. It doesn't sound very, very um, reverent to say Jesus is smart. No, he has a lot of wisdom. 
He was God manifest in the flesh. Okay, we're in in uh, Matthew 18, 15 through 20. A little story here. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So most of the time when somebody trespasses against somebody, we usually go talk to somebody else. That's if we're not being righteous, if we're not awake. That's the first step, right? Do we always do that? I haven't always. And what is it? Does it help my brother? Does it help if there's somebody here that um, I have a problem with? I can't think of anybody right now, but suppose I have a problem with one of you. And um, what should I do, according to Jesus? Somebody tell me. Should I go talk to, um, say I have a problem with Josh. Should I go talk to um, Josiah and tell him how bad Josh is? Should I first? What's the first thing I should do? Should I go to him? Well, yeah, that's what Jesus said. First, his fault... Let us see here. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more. Get a couple other brethren with you, right? And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So that's the second thing. Is that given each... Given each party a chance to work things out? Is that righteousness? It's righteousness. I haven't always done that. And when I haven't done it, what, what happens? Whenever, how many people has not always done this pattern? Is everybody, any, no, almost everybody here. So what happens when we do that? Does it make things better? Hasn't when I've done it. Created all kinds of problems. Sometimes almost tears churches apart. Sometimes. Wow. So I repent. I repented. And I'm trying not to do it anymore. So if you catch me doing it, this is a good thing to do to one another. Okay, somebody tells you about somebody else. Say somebody comes to me and tells me about my wife. Your wife and your husband, usually you don't want somebody getting between you much if you've got to read the relationship. Somebody says, you know your wife, Jackie, blah, blah, blah. Occasionally somebody does. Most people won't because she's my wife, Right. And I say, well, have you talked to my wife yet about that? Well, no, I thought you were going to go do it. No, I think maybe you should. Your wife, I'm scared to talk to your wife. And some people do tell me that, by the way. <laughs> one, neighbor, one neighbor down here, he said, he got, stopped me on the road down here. He's no longer alive. And so he was, he was an interesting neighbor. And he said, your wife... You're that wife of yours. Can you straighten your wife out? She did blah, blah, blah. Said this and that. Because she really witnessed to him. Because he, you know, wasn't very nice. I won't go into the details of that. But it wasn't very good. So she's my wife, though. I said, why don't you go talk to her? Oh, I already tried to. She won't listen to me. <laughs> so at least he'd done that. He'd done the first step, even though he's a really bad guy. Not even a Christian. He was wanting something bad, though, so she told him off. He used to tell her he wanted her to take her hair down and so forth and so on. And it was kind of a, just a plain old sinner. She'd witness to him. She'd say, I'm a Christian. She'd say, You're no Christian. 
Yes, I am. She says, no, you're not. Then if you're a Christian, take those naked women off your wall in your shop then. So he got it. she got him so upset, he went in and tore him off the wall. <laughs> I don't know why I told you that. Except going to the person first. But if we will not hear thee, then take with thee two or two, one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And that's helpful for the person that's being accused and the one that thinks that they've been done wrong to. Because, you know, in the heated, heated situations, I've been in church situations where people called me together and had meetings, brothers' meetings, and, and um, it's not been good for me or them because when I used to get in the corner, before I got victory over angry, I would, and no matter how many of them there were, I'd usually level the ground pretty much with them. And, and then, of course, then they really could point their finger at me how a horrible person I was. So if I'd have went with, they'd have went with two or three witnesses, one brother come and talk to me and then had two or three witnesses, it would have been better for both of us. And hopefully a couple brothers or sisters that are solid, that they're not going to just take sides for the sake of sides. But if he neglect to hear them, two or three witnesses, tell it unto the church. And if he neglect to hear the church, the whole idea is that the person that's being accused gets redeemed. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done unto them and my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Isn't that what we want? Jesus in the midst. So we're people. There are problems amongst even us. We're not perfected. We can be perfect in the sense we're not doing anything we know is wrong, but we're not perfected. We're not sinless in the sense of no, no growth, no room for growth. I'm not talking about being sinful, practicing sin or purposely sinning. That's against Scripture. But we are... Sometimes I say things, and afterward I think, why did I say that? I think, oh no, the way that's going to be took, and it's terrible. And then, of course, you try to go back and make it right if you can. So it's really a wonderful thing, the Jesus way. The Jesus way is really good. Well, let's see, i got a couple more here. So let's, we'll just read these, I guess, and I'll try not to tell too many stories. Okay. 11, Luke 12, 13 and 14. It says this, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. So this is somebody coming to Jesus, telling him, Hey, you know, can you straighten this out? And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? So that's just a simple thing. Jesus himself said that. So that he knew it wasn't his business. He wasn't meddling with something that wasn't his business. You could say, well, he was Jesus. He said, no, I'm not judge over who. And then he talks about covetousness and so forth after that. He dealt kind of with the guy's attitude, but he wasn't going to just go straighten it out and make sure everybody got the right amount. Luke 17, verse 1 through 4. Then said he unto the disciples, 
it is impossible that offenses will come. So there's going to be problems, in other words. Offenses. What's offenses? Somebody, somebody tell me what that means. Offenses. Somebody brings offenses. What's that? Somebody does something wrong. Somebody does some, says something about you that's wrong. Somebody maybe you don't feel like you got a fair deal. An offense. Or maybe you were in a bind and somebody took advantage of that. would be an offense, right? Okay, let's read it. Said unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses, plural, will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So it's a serious thing to be causing offenses. It were better that, a, that for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. That's kind of what Jesus said earlier to do, right? Go to him personally. Rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. That's pretty easy, right? Somebody does something wrong and you rebuke him, you talk to him, and maybe you don't have to be mean about the rebuking. I don't think that's what it's intending to go up to him and say, I rebuke you because you did this or that. I don't think that's the way it's meant to be done. But you go and you tell a person, you know, this is what the problem is, and and I believe it's wrong. And it says, and this is a situation that's clear, a clear sin that's been done. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, that's quite a few, right? If he keeps doing... You know, you tell him it's wrong, and he says he's sorry, and then he does something again, and he does something else again, seven times in a day. And turn again to thee, saying, I repent, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? Thou shalt forgive him. So what happens if you don't forgive him after the third time? I've had enough. You keep doing this. Well, I'm so sorry. I used to do that getting angry on a regular basis. Some of my children could tell you they got sick and tired of me coming back and telling them I was sorry with tears in my eyes, but I still did it. I had to. Why? I didn't do it with tears every time probably, but I meant it. And what happened? They forgave me. I think all of them forgave me. It would have been better for me to get victory over it, but I didn't know how. Honestly, I didn't know how. I didn't plan on getting angry. I didn't plan on being mean. Until I renounced it as a stronghold and rebuked it and told the Lord I was, you know, ready to be changed and told the devil Jesus defeated him 2,000 years ago, then I was free. Okay, we'll go, I think, to two more verses. Two more places. Romans chapter um, 4. I like Romans. It seems like it always answers everything along with the others. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Last verse. And we're going to read a little bit into 5. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? He was delivered for offenses. Said offenses might come. Woe to those who come. Here it says Jesus was delivered, or he was killed, crucified, for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Right? It says in Romans 6 that we're raised up together with him. Okay, read a little more here. 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's peace because we're actually changed peace. It's not a peace where uh, you keep doing what you want, I do what I want. No, it's we do what God wants. And then there's peace. That's the peace God's talking about. By whom also we have been, we have access by faith into this grace when we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, experience, hope. Yeah, these are good. Let's skip down, though, I guess. You read the whole chapter. 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses unto justification. Wow. You know what justification means, right? You're a sinner, and you got justified. He changed you. He forgave you. He transformed you. Spurgeon said, you're not only pardoned, like the queen could do in England, but he said justification means that he justified the ungodly. He used that scripture, and that's in Romans 2. He justified the ungodly. So he takes somebody that was a murderer, was an adulterer, and he so forgives them, and he so cleanses them, he so gives them a new nature, they're no longer a murderer anymore. Justification. He says it's not just forgiveness, it's not just pardon, but it's a new person. Justification by faith. Therefore, verse 18, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness, which was Jesus, right? The righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. A new way of living, a new way of being. His life now living out and through you and me. Whereas by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It was more powerful than sin. Totally changes from being a sinner to being a saint. That as sin hath reigned or ruled unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. One more verse, and then I'm going to stop. One more section. I've got to quit saying one more verse. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. We're mostly looking at 8. Chapter 4, Philippians. I guess I don't need to read the whole thing. You guys know what it says. But let's read this part. Let's start in 7. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do the God of peace be with you. The God of peace be with you. Um, there was a guy, I think he was before Christ. He called it the three sieves. What was that guy's name, honey? Socrates. He was not a Christian. He might have even been some kind of a pagan. But Socrates said this. 
There's a man, the story was, and I guess it happened a lot, somebody comes to Socrates and they said, have you heard about this and that? And he'd say, just stop. Is it true? I'd say, yeah, it's true. Is it, is it um, of good report? No. Is it, did it happen? Yeah, it happened. He said, well, there's no need to have a good report. So I don't want to hear any more right now. He called it the three sieves. So should we ever hear anything that's bad? It doesn't mean we should not know, but our heart should be one of redemption. So if we think about the things that you're, you've done, and you've all been our friends, and it's good things you've done. Like I think of the Bilers, for a year we had Bible studies every night, prayed till midnight almost every night. We had wonderful times together. So we think about that, but if we think about something that we didn't agree on, something that was, and we just, um, how do you say that? You, you think about the things that aren't of God. Say, you see something about me that's not good, and you maybe talk to me and I don't see it, for instance. And um, if we start thinking about, it doesn't mean it only be dealt with. Come to me, talk to me, but if you still can't get through to me, then what? Or vice versa. If you can't get through to the other person, what are you supposed to do according to Jesus? Depends on what it is, right? If it's something you don't fellowship with somebody over, then you, you do the process. You go to the brother, bring two or three people with you. If they don't do it, then you disfellowship each other. But the whole thing shouldn't be the goal to disfellowship each other. Right? The goal should be redemption. And that's in our family, with our children. Sometimes we do disciplines, and sometimes things happen, and sometimes things aren't maybe done perfectly. Probably hardly ever is. As we grow in God, if we can have, be humble and have grace towards one another and see God. It doesn't mean we cover stuff, but it means that God is at work. We see God. My dad died, and I'm going to leave this little, see the story i leave you with. My dad died when I was 14. I was the oldest of four children, so we didn't have a real big family. And we come back here. We were from here. We went to BC, Canada, lived in the wilderness. And so my brother and me and all of us went to public school. And we weren't used to it. We were from the backwoods. So I preached. And I wasn't afraid of what people thought of me. But my brother, he was younger. He was there when my dad died. And he was um, soft, softer than me probably in many ways. Probably kinder than me. And so when he went to school, a lot of the people, it was the hippie days at the end of it, or the 70s, still a lot of guys, a lot of young people run around real long hair. And so he let his hair grow long because he was afraid of what people thought of him. And my mom got upset with him, and I probably did along with mom. And so I, I um, she decided she's going to cut his hair. And he was about 16, pretty big kid. And I'm whatever, 17 or 18. And he wouldn't let her cut his hair. So I did something that I'm not happy about. I was helping my mom. So I threw him down on the floor, and um, mom cut his hair. Do you think I won my brother? I didn't. I've told him I'm sorry since then. But that kind of thing is what we always got to repent of. Because God forgive me? You think he forgive me for doing something horrible like that? At the time, I was very justified. I helped my mom. I did. I helped her straighten out my brother, my rebellious brother. But both of us could have had a little more wisdom, wouldn't you say? And so that's what I'm talking about. In different situations in life, we pursue, we're zealous for doing what's right, and, it's, and I'm still serving God. 
And my brother's not doing so well. My sisters aren't doing so well. And if I'd have had more of the virtue of Christ in that time in my life, some of them might be serving God. I don't know. They might have chosen the world anyway. I don't know. I'm glad I choose Christ. But in our pursuit of God, sometimes we hurt people. And so when we see we hurt somebody, then repent. That's all we have to do. Tell them we're sorry. We can't change it. And if they get grace, here's a, here we sang a song today. And I got a revelation that's sitting here. Sometimes it bothers me. Does it ever bother you things you've done in your zeal? Occasionally when you meditate and you're praying, sometimes you just think, oh, I wish I had more wisdom. I wish I'd have been kinder. Maybe that person be serving the Lord today. And um, we sang that song, not, he's, the sin not in part, but in whole. And I got a revelation as I was singing about that. I think about these things sometimes. Sometimes it bothers me a bit because sometimes some of my children tell me how I wasn't, didn't do things right. And now as I get older, sometimes I realize sometimes they're very right about some of the things that I did. But here's the secret of life for all of us. If we think about somebody else did this or that to me, and therefore I can't serve God because somebody did this or that to me, then we will never serve the Lord. But if, on the other hand, he didn't part, he didn't take the sin in part, but the whole. That's for me, even though I haven't done it perfect with my children. I can go forward with a clear conscience because I love Jesus. I do. And my children and anybody else, even if I've hurt you or you've hurt me, we can go forward and take the sin, not in part, but in whole, and we can totally be free of our owies, our pains, the meanness of the dad or mom, or the meanness of a brother like me. And I was so happy today, because I received that as from God, sitting here today as we were singing, and I said, okay, God, you didn't take my sin in part. You took it in the whole. I didn't deserve it, but you took it all. You took it away. You set me free. But the people I've heard, he'll do the same for them. So therefore, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So we have these people, because the person that's hurt feels like they need to be justified, and because they're hurt, and so... But the gospel is that we can all be forgiven and whole, and then we can all live wholeheartedly to God. And I don't know how God will take that and apply it to any of your lives, but I know He's applied it to my heart today. And uh, anyway, bless you all. May God, dear God, thank you for this day, your kindness to us. Lord, bless this afternoon with the ladies. Jenny has something good to share with them and strengthen the things that are of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for her coming all the way over and visiting in America for several months here, six months, I guess, this time, Lord. Thank you. Pray you take these words as... Uh, a feeble person that accepts your forgiveness in full and not able to express as clearly as maybe some others. God, thank you for those that can express it better. But Lord, I pray the things that are true, you would take them and apply them to all of our hearts and make us your people, the sheep of your pasture. You are the good shepherd that go before us in all kinds of situations. And even if we are a wayward sheep, maybe we get out of line in our attitude, you're the good shepherd too. Discipline everyone, every son you receive. And I thank you and I praise you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Um.
Um, should have somebody else close. I could close, but um, Sam Junior, Sam Senior, you want to close and pray and do whatever. You want to do that? Do you want to ask any?